it's a privilege to uh, stand before you again and uh, share from the Word of God. Um, there is no greater privilege than this one. Uh, so I'll invite all of us to turn in our Bibles to the book of Psalms. Uh, it's a very uh, popular psalm among Christians. Um, it is one of those psalms that you hear especially at funerals, but it is not a funeral psalm. Um, it is an all-weather psalm. It basically deals with the assurance that God gives to his own people, the confession of people who have walked with the Lord. In fact, this was the psalm that was both sung and read at our grandmother's funeral two weeks ago, uh, not because it's a funeral psalm, but because she asked that that was done uh, before she passed away. So Psalm 23 uh, and we will read the entire psalm, Psalm 23, reading the entire psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup, overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, we have looked at this psalm and now we are about to examine what you have to say to us through it. We do now pray that you will grant us the grace to receive what you have for us in this psalm. And we also pray that for those among us who are discouraged, it will be a source of encouragement. For those who do not know you, this will be uh, their voice your voice to them. We pray also that you will continue with us as you have been with us from the beginning. We do pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I want us to think about something that uh, perhaps some of you know very well because you are Christians, you have experienced it, and that is Christian confidence, the basis of Christian confidence or the foundation of Christian confidence. Uh, those of us who became Christians while in primary or secondary school 
may have had a comment like this passed about us. Why do you behave as if you are the only one who is going to heaven? Or as if you are the only one who knows the Lord? Um, and most often people who would say that are people who uh, are Christians, in quotation marks, uh, because their Christianity is based on works. So they go to church every Sunday, they have uh, grown up in a Christian family, and therefore they believe they are Christians, and when you try to explain to them that that's not what Christianity is about, somehow they have a problem with it. And what I would like us to think about this morning is where do Christians get this confidence from? What is the source of this confidence? Because genuine Christians tend to be confident, whatever their circumstances. Job, in his poverty and sickness, said these words, Yea, though he may slay me yet will I hope in him. Job, you are about to die from your sickness. Your wealth has been taken away. And yet, you are expressing confidence in God. And that is what Christian confidence looks like. The Apostle Paul says this, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. So Christians tend to be people that have hope, a very confident hope. There is no other religion in this world that guarantees eternal life to its followers other than Christianity. The Muslims don't believe that they will go to heaven if they die. The Hindus don't. In fact, most other religions teach this. Work hard in this life for your salvation, and when you die, hope for the best. Work hard, do the right things, but when you die, hope for the best. There is no guarantee. But Christianity says this. The Lord Jesus, in the book of John, he said this, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In fact, Christians have written song after song about this hope. They say, one of the songs says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, verily, verily, message ever new. He that believes on the Son is true, hath everlasting life. And so Christians do not hope 
for everlasting life. They have assurance of everlasting life. Eternal life for the Christian is not a maybe. It is a certainty. But the question still remains. What is the source of this confidence? And that's what I would like us to discover this morning. In Psalm 23, David in the very first verse begins to give us some idea as to the basis of Christian confidence. The Lord is my shepherd, he says. And so this morning then, we will look at who this shepherd is that then forms the basis for Christian confidence. Who is this shepherd? What kind of shepherd is he? Well, firstly, I want to say to you that he is the kind of shepherd who provides. He is the kind of shepherd who provides. And so Christian confidence, first of all, is based on the fact that the Lord is the kind of shepherd who provides. He is a God who provides for his own people. And so whatever Christians need, they can ask him and he is able to supply. Notice the words of verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In other words, what David is saying is this. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. To want is to be in need, very deep need, the kind of need that sometimes may take away hope of it ever being met. That is one thing. But the Christian has hope. They have assurance that their needs will be met. Because they have the Lord to ask. They have the Lord to ask in their times of need. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4 and verse 19. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 4 and verse 19 says, For I know that my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Our elder was reading this morning from the book of James and chapter 4, the Bible says there, you have not because you ask not. Now, what David is not saying is what the prosperity teachers say, that needs will not arise in the Christian's life. They will. We need to finish paying for the plot at Harvest Baptist Church. That is a need. But we can pray for God to give his people resources so that they are able to intend give back to his work. Because this is a providing 
shepherd. He is the kind of shepherd who provides. And therefore, even when needs come, because the Lord is my shepherd, my needs will be met. The Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 31, we can turn there. Matthew 6 and verse 31, the Lord Jesus says these words. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or, what shall we drink? Or, what shall we wear? Verse 32, for the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Again in John chapter 10 and verse 9 he says this. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will go in, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. He does not say he will go in and out and perhaps find pasture. Neither does he say maybe he will find pasture. The Lord Jesus says they will find pasture. Those who belong to him will find pasture. He assures his sheep of provision. Now, we have a drought, and many of us are worried, but there is one other thing that we do as Christians, other than being worried, we pray, and we have done that here at Emmersdale every Sunday, every Saturday morning during the prayer meetings, we have done this in our Bible studies, we have prayed, and we trust that the Lord will make a way for his people. But we have a shepherd who is not only able to meet our physical needs, but a shepherd who is also able, and even more importantly, to meet our spiritual needs. But observe that the Lord's provision is abundant. It is abundant provision. In the psalm that we are considering, Psalm 23, the psalmist says, You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Charles Spurgeon in his commentary says, There is not just enough for me, but there is some for my friends also. This is the kind of shepherd we have come to. A shepherd who provides. But then the question this morning is this. Do you know this shepherd? Do you recognize that the blessings you are enjoying now come from him? Because unless this Jesus is your shepherd, unless the Lord is your shepherd... You can't see his hand of provision. Because it is only those who are truly his sheep, who even when they are blessed with plenty material blessings, 
behind the material blessing they can see the hand of God. Why? Because their spiritual eyes have been opened. They have been opened to see the hand of God. In one of the songs that I listened to, uh, the song is titled Blessed Be Your Name. And uh, one of the refrains goes this way. Every blessing you pour out, I will turn back to praise. The reason why Christians do that is because their eyes have been opened so that they can see the hand of God. If your eyes have not been opened, you will attribute the material blessing you have to many other things. Your hard work, your lack. If you still think about being lucky, about working hard, and don't see the blessing of God on your work, then the Lord may not be your shepherd. In fact, Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 8 warns the children of Israel, Do not say, The work of my hands have gotten me this wealth. True Christians can see the hand of provision from their shepherd. But secondly, we have a shepherd who leads. We have a shepherd who guides his own people. The basis of Christian confidence is that their shepherd leads them. And this leading occurs in two senses. First, the Lord leads them to himself. The Lord leads them to himself. In verse 2, the psalmist says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides still waters. Again, Charles Spurgeon says of this, So weak are his sheep that they cannot lie down by themselves. Their shepherd must make them lie down. This lying down signifies that Christ brings us to himself. And having brought us to himself, he gives us rest for the soul. St. Augustine, one of the early church uh, leaders, said this, Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. He leads us beside still water, so that having drunk that water, it becomes in us a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The Lord in Matthew 11 and verse 28 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy 
and my burden is light and you will find rest for your souls. The Lord first of all leads us to himself. Is your soul at rest this morning? Or are you one of those people who when they try to explain the gospel to you, you then accuse those explaining the gospel to you of behaving as though they are the only ones going to heaven. And in a sense, you are right because unless you are like them, having this assurance, you are not going to heaven. Unless you can see his hand of provision, unless you have been led by Jesus to himself, you may be rest assured that you are not one of his sheep. But secondly, the Lord Jesus, having brought us to himself, then guides us in this life and all the way to eternal life. John chapter 10 and uh, verse 1 uh, to 5. John chapter 10 uh, verses 1 to 5. The Lord Jesus says these words. Truly, Truly, I say to you, he that does not enter the sheep fold by the gate or by the door, but enters in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens the sheep sorry to him the gatekeeper opens the sheep hears his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out when he has brought out all his own he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice a stranger's voice they will not follow but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. So we find there that those who belong to the Lord Jesus have a real sense of him leading them. They hear his voice as it were. They hear his voice. They walk in the direction that he sets for them. They follow his instruction as he goes on ahead of them. Matthew Henry, in his commentary on this psalm, he has written uh, these words, identifying three uh, means by which the Lord leads his own sheep. Number one is by his word. And also number two, by his spirit. And thirdly, by providence. We just sang now, in thy truth thou dost direct me by thy spirit through thy word. The reasons, one of the reasons that Christians are sure 
One of the reasons that Christians are confident is they hear their master's voice. They hear their shepherd's voice directing them in his truth, guiding them, the psalmist says, in paths of righteousness. Are you able to hear the shepherd's voice? Are you able to sense him going on ahead of you? Are you able to do this? Because if you do not hear the shepherd's voice, then you may not be going to heaven. Because, you see, to be going to heaven, you have to be following the one who has his throne in heaven. If you're following anyone else, they may promise you heaven, but definitely they are not taking you there. Those who are led of the Spirit, the Bible says, they are the children of God. And so do you have this evidence in your heart? One of the prayers that we sing in uh, one of the hymns is found in Grace Hymns number 463. Oh, let me feel thee near me. Christians want to hear the master's voice. If you have a problem with that, you may not be a Christian. But if you are a Christian, this is one more reason why you are sure that you are going to heaven. You see his hand of providence. You feel and sense his spirit. And when you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit explains the scriptures to you. Ah, but thirdly, Christians do not only have a shepherd who provides, they don't only have a shepherd who leads, they have a shepherd who is gentle. They have a shepherd who is gentle. I want us to observe the language of this psalm. The language of this psalm is such that the word lead is used twice. And the indication of that is that this shepherd leads. He does not drive. That is, he does not push his people by force. He does not pull his people again by force. But he leads. He attracts them to himself by offering them rest and then goes on ahead of them so that they know even, even though they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, they will fear no evil because he is with them. He has gone before them. And you see, gentleness inspires trust. Gentleness produces 
confidence. The reason why the sheep flee from the stranger's voice is that it sounds harsh. It is severe. It is different from the shepherd's voice. The shepherd's voice is gentle. Oftentimes, the reason why children tend to obey one of two parents a bit more than the other is because one of them is gentle while giving instruction. The other is both severe and frightened, so they will obey out of fear and not out of trust. And so you will get home and you will hear from afar, everybody is in the sitting room rejoicing. The minute you walk in, everybody disappears. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gentleness. Gentleness. This shepherd is gentle in his instruction. Christians have confidence in their shepherd because he is gentle. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 40 and verse 11. Isaiah 40 and verse 11. The prophet Isaiah says of this shepherd that he gathers the lambs in his arms. He gently leads those that are with young. He knows their struggles. He knows at what speed they can move. This causes them to have confidence in him. I mean, even us as human beings, when we want to approach someone in authority and we need some sort of help, we prefer to go to someone who understands us. Someone who knows us. That person is better able to sympathize with us and more likely to grant our requests because they understand. They know. They will sympathize. Here's a gentle shepherd, a kind shepherd, who knows that sheep that are with young will not move at the same speed as those that are known. We have a gentle shepherd and therefore we can trust him with our struggles. We can trust him with our burdens. The apostle Peter has told us, cast your cares onto Jesus for he cares for you. He is a gentle shepherd. We sing one of the hymns, pass me not, O gentle Only people who have experienced his gentleness can sing that way. And even when you come to church, you know those who sing because they have experienced him and those who sing because they have to since everybody is singing. Have you experienced the gentleness of this shepherd? But fourthly, we have a shepherd who not only provides, 
who not only leads, who is not only gentle, we have one who gives us rest. And I made reference to this earlier. He gives us rest. This picture is painted by him providing pasture and causing us to rest. Rest for the soul. It is rest that only he can give. He doesn't just offer it. He gives it. But fifthly, we have a shepherd who restores. We have a shepherd who restores. Now, there are times in the Christian life when we lose our way. And in verse 3 of Psalm 23, the Bible says, He restores my soul. He leads me, verse 4, in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. There are times in the Christian life when you lose your way and recognize it. And the Lord himself brings you back to restore, to bring back something to its original state, to fix something that has been damaged. He is a restoring shepherd. That's what he does. He is the kind who will leave the 99 sheep who are safe in the fold and pursue the one that is lost and is vulnerable. That is the kind of shepherd we have. He knows that these 99 are okay. They are safe. And he's worried about that one. Vulnerable to the attacks of wolves and lions and all kinds of wild animals. And he will pursue that one until he brings it back. That's what the Bible says. And this is who we serve. This is the kind of shepherd that we belong to. Though I forget him and wander away, still he doth love me wherever I stray, the hymn writer says. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Because his love is not conditional. It is love that pursues us in our strain, in our breaking his heart. He brings us back to himself. He causes us to trust him because we now know. I cannot disappoint Jesus to the point that he gives up on me. Because we now know that Jesus will come after us if we should stray and then continue to lead us in paths of righteousness.
Have you experienced this? Do you know of those moments? If you're not a Christian, you may not have experienced this because, first of all, you are not in the fold. So there is nothing for you to stray from. But he's inviting you. And he would want you to belong to him. Have you backslidden as a Christian? Are you wondering whether the Lord can take you back? Well, the psalmist says he is a restoring shepherd. He is the kind of shepherd who brings his people back to himself. People who have their own opinions about you. People who say things about you. Some of them that are not true. Some of them that are true. But you see, the only one whose opinion counts is the Lord Jesus. He is the one who died for you. The one who gave his life for your salvation. And he is able to bring you back to himself. He restores my soul, the psalmist says in verse 3. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And if you are a Christian, you know this. You know of those moments when you felt you had broken God's heart so badly. And you thought he would never bring you back. But then he did. And so the scripture that says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins if we confess became a reality for you. I wonder, do you know this shepherd? Do you know him? But also, we do not only have a shepherd who restores, we have a shepherd who protects. We have a shepherd who protects. Verse 4 of our text says these words, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they Comfort me. The shepherd's staff, historians tell us, was the staff in the hand of the shepherd that he used to fend off wild animals. Animals that would attack the flock. And that was the staff. It was the weapon of choice. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. The shepherd's staff is a sign of protection. What did the Lord use as a symbol in leading his people out of Egyptian slavery? 
the staff in Moses' hand. The staff parted the Red Sea. It was the staff with which he struck the rock and water came for his people. It was the staff with which Pharaoh's magicians were defeated. The shepherd's staff. The shepherd's staff signifies protection for his people. When the sheep see the shepherd's staff, they see protection. But beyond this, our shepherd is the all-knowing shepherd. So that he knows in advance what the enemy has planned. And he can therefore destroy those plans before they come to pass. He can do that. If he doesn't destroy them before they come to pass, he will fight for you, the psalmist says over and over, and show to you his hand of protection. You just survived an accident, a nasty one. Probably people even die. And there you go. We were so lucky. Could have died. True Christian would say, the Lord was gracious to us and preserved our lives. That's what the Lord does. He transforms his people so that they can see his hand of protection. They can see his hand of provision. They can see his footmarks and walk after him. He protects his people. Not only because he knows all things and he can frustrate the enemy's plans because he knows them, but he has walked the path before. So that even when the path looks dangerous, he is able to say to his sheep, Fear not, for I am with you. The Apostle Paul said before he died, and now I am about to be poured out like a drink offering. He could sense the shepherd's protection. And sometimes people die for the cause of Jesus. But it was the same Apostle Paul who had been snatched out of uh, a city where people were looking to kill him. And that's what the, that's the kind of shepherd we serve. That's what the kind of shepherd we serve can do. He protects his people. Do you know his protection? Or do you think you have been lucky? That you survived an illness from which most people don't. Do you think you have been lucky to pass an exam that most people don't? Do you think you have been lucky to escape a theft in which the thieves were armed? 
or do you see the shepherd's hand of protection? If you believe you are lucky, all the best when your luck runs out. Because luck does run out. But Christians can be confident because the God whom they serve is an eternal God. He is an infinite God. So that being both infinite and eternal, he cannot run out of ways and means of protecting his own people. The basis of Christian confidence, therefore, is in this, that they have a protecting shepherd, a shepherd who protects. Ah, but Christians do not only have a protecting shepherd, they also have a disciplining shepherd. They also have a disciplining shepherd. Now, sometimes we lose our way and the Lord rescues us. And that's the end of the story. But other times, like a good parent would, he will discipline us for our wrong. This is signified by the rod mentioned in our text. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Proof that we are children of God is that he disciplines us. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6, the Bible says, Do not lose heart when the Lord disciplines you. Because he is treating you as a son. For the Lord disciplines those whom he accepts. And so if you have experienced the Lord's discipline and you've uh, come out of it, you have one more reason to be confident that you are a child of God. Because the Lord treats you as a son. When the Lord spoke concerning Solomon to his father David in 2 Samuel chapter 7 and uh, verse 14, the Lord said these words, I shall be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men with the stripes of the sons of men. Again in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 15, Proverbs 22 and verse 15, the wise man says these words, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Our shepherd disciplines us to help us to learn not to stray from the path 
of righteousness. To help us to learn what is good for us. To keep us from misbehaving as it were. He doesn't discipline us to destroy us. No good parent would do that. He disciplines us to drive folly far from us. In fact, in Second uh, Samuel, the passage we read earlier, verse 15, the Lord says, My love will not depart from him, talking about Solomon, the way it did from Saul. In other words, the Lord may discipline us without losing his love for us. In fact, he is showing us his love by disciplining us. So if you are going through some experience of the Lord's discipline, perhaps you are experiencing the consequences of some decisions that you made. Is a sign that you are a child of God, especially if you are handling it well. If it is leading you to repentance, you may have confidence that the Lord is your shepherd. His aim is to correct. His aim is not to destroy. His love will not depart. His love will not leave you even after disciplining you. Though he disciplines us, his anger is but for a moment. But his mercies are new every morning. Such is the shepherd we have. And therefore we can trust him. And therefore we can have confidence in him. But lastly, we have a faithful shepherd. We have a faithful shepherd. I want us to observe that this passage is written in the present tense. It is written in the present tense. It doesn't say, the Lord was my shepherd. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. It doesn't say, he made me lie down in green pastures. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. The meaning of that is, whatever the Lord does for his people, he does consistently. He does faithfully. If he guides them, he does so every day. If he provides for them, he does so every day. If he protects them, he does so every day. He is a faithful God, a reliable God. Uh, once out here, I preached a sermon titled, A Reliable Deliverer, when the Lord made a way for our son to recover from, from cancer. And that was the Lord's doing. Trials will come, but there is a faithful God. 
Now, having experienced God's provision, God's guidance, God's restoration, God's protection, the conclusion that David arrives at is found in verse 6. He says this, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. How often? All the days of my life. In other words, David is saying, if God has been faithful in the past and consistently faithful, faithfully providing, faithfully protecting, faithfully guiding, he will be faithful in future for whatever the days of my life are left. The privilege I have is to be in a church where uh, we have people who are closer to going to heaven and those who are uh, only beginning and those who are somewhere in between. And so all of these can identify with this psalm. So if you have lived for more than 65 years, you're a senior citizen and you're a Christian, you can identify with David. That for the past 65 years God has been faithful. And he will not fail you for the remaining number of years. If you have been a Christian only two years, you can still testify. That God has been faithful. And he will not stop being faithful for the remaining however many number of years. In fact... The Bible records in Psalm 139 that he has written our days as in a book. He has planned our lives for us. Now, beyond goodness and mercy following us all the days of our lives, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The psalmist says, we have hope of eternal life. We have assurance of eternal life. So there is goodness and mercy for this life. And there is dwelling in the house of the Lord forever, where the Lord Jesus tells us there are many mansions. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore, the psalmist says. So if the Lord has been faithful in this life, guiding, providing, restoring, and disciplining, he will do the same in future. But more than that, I can be sure of inheriting eternal life. Again, the question is this. Do you know this shepherd? Has he led you? Can you sing with the rest of us? All the way my my Savior leads me. What have I to ask beside? Can you do that? Let me close with the following applications. Firstly, Christians can look to God's past faithfulness and Trust him for the future. Christians can lean on God's past faithfulness 
and trust him for the future. Yes, his faithfulness in this life assures us of eternal life. It is a foretaste of things to come. But let me also address myself to those of us who may not be Christians and among us. Let me say this, that if you do not know Christ as your Savior, you don't know him by experience, then you are not a Christian. We said earlier that the Lord leads his people by his Spirit. If you don't sense him in the scriptures, cannot see his hand of provision, do not know in a heartfelt way his protection, high chances are you're not a Christian. But there is a good news. Good news from the Savior's lips in the book of John. He says, the Lord is a welcoming shepherd. He says this, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must also bring them. Will you receive his invitation? May the shepherd's peace be with all of us. Amen.